Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are here at the finale of our Traders US coverage. It's all over. Evan, high level thoughts on the end game here. I definitely don't think we were able to maintain the momentum built by episode eight. And I'm really excited to chat about it today um, because I think there's a lot to like unpack in these episodes. I think ultimately, uh, the remaining faithfuls were not compelling characters. Um, mm. As we had talked about in past episodes, we felt, I think you and I agreed that a lot of the new players into the into this game were very underdeveloped. And so I think as a result of having these two of the three traitors in the penultimate, excuse me, two of the three faithfuls in the penultimate episode um, were people that we just didn't really know very well. And then Ari among the traitors was also, despite the fact that he was a you know a reality TV vet or whatever, a very like nothing burger of a character. Whereas in contrast, I feel like looking at UK, those final five—I mean, I would say the original twenty—but especially the final five cast members were just like so unique and so invested in the game. Um, I even felt like Kate by the end kind of petered out because at least when she was like over it, she was like energetically over it. And it seemed like by episode nine and 10, Kate was kind of like, I'm over it and I'm no longer going to like even like attempt to give like, give off an air of like over it. She was like, I'm so over it. I'm just going to like divest. And so she did. Mm. I did did feel feel like she got into it, to be honest with you. Like, and I talked about this in our last recap that there, there was like a turning point for her after Rachel left that she sort of felt a little more invested in the game and she was having fun in the missions. And I felt like, especially in this laser mission, she was really into it. And I felt like she was into it in the final mission as well. Although she didn't really like have a big role to play, but I mean, like I could sense her excitement about it. And yet she was sort of like blase about being sent home, which was a little disappointing. I wanted to see her fight more for it at the round table, but it seemed like she resigned to the fact that she was going to be uh, eliminated at some point that she like didn't really seem to believe in herself that she could get to the very end. And so I was a little bit disappointed by that because I did think that her arc was interesting as like coming in with this character and really hanging on to that and being like the you know, the quote unquote bitch of the season and then coming around to like, actually I'm enjoying this, uh, that I wanted to see that play out all the way to the end or like have a little bit of fire in her belly towards the end. Totally. And we've talked about this in the past, whereas like if you're backed into a corner on this show, you have no recourse. And so I think Kate recognized the fact that I think it was obvious that Suri and Andy were aligned. I think it was pretty obvious that Suri and Quentin were aligned. And I think she just, you know, looked at the odds. She knew she wasn't going to be able to, like, convince anyone otherwise. And so she sort of just settled into the reality of the situation. Interestingly enough, when you 
think back upon this season of The Traitors, I mean, Kate is the star of the show. Um, Suri as well, but I mean, Kate, it's Kate and Suri's show with Rachel playing a huge supporting, you know, perhaps even like Oscar award-winning supporting part. Um, I'm not sure anyone else from this season really stands out besides the three of them. Do you have anyone, I mean, besides Azra, but do you have anyone else <laughs> that you would put up there with like the memorable players of this season? Honestly, no. Like when I think back, I like I almost want to say Cody and we've spent plenty of time talking about how Cody was kind of a dud. And so that's not a great sign for the overall season. I think that there were people who we lost early on. I felt like Reza had a lot of potential. I felt like Brandy had a lot of potential. I really do think Stephanie had a lot of potential. And yet here, especially in this episode nine, where Stephanie is just murdered, it's so unceremonious. And it's such an anticlimactic end to Stephanie's arc on this show. And it's like, Stephanie was such a big star in Snake in the Grass. And I felt like she wasn't really giving the outlet in this show to be the star. I felt like if she was going to be a star, she would have had to have been a traitor. And that's not saying much for this version of the show because we've seen in the UK that Faithfuls can be as big a stars, if not bigger than the traitors. And so I'm not really sure what to make of that. Yeah, I also feel like, and I, I would have said this in the penultimate episode of the UK version as well, but like, you know, I'm assuming that a lot of the viewers are going to watch The Traders US having never seen or even know that there's any other versions out there. I would not come away from this thinking that there's any way in which the Faithfuls could win the game. Because, like, on top of the odds being stacked against them to begin with, they don't even know the number of Faithfuls mm -hmm. that are in the game to the point where there are two Faithful, excuse me, there are two Traders left at the very end of the game, and everyone except for the Trader, one of the Traders, is good to end the game. Mm -hmm. When I'm like, you guys are so bad at this game. And, and I guess this is just something that I think is, will go away in future iterations of the show. But you have someone like Andy and Quentin who, <sighs> are on this show, and both of whom never once consider someone like Suri at all, are just like, I trust her as a human being, and therefore she's not a traitor, which I do think hopefully moving into season two, having great trust in someone as a human being is not grounds to work with them in the game. But then you start to ask yourself, okay, but then who do you work with? Because again, when you try to put logic into this game, it's like, although their logic was really off, it's not as though there's like a better logic to be had. It's just a game that like mm -hmm. doesn't really make a lot of sense. And if you try and analyze it too much, you'll come away from it completely lost. You kind of just have to settle into the absurdity. Um, but I think that that lack of, you know, that 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 worked better in the UK because you were more invested in the players playing the game despite the lack of logic. Whereas I feel nothing about Quentin or Andy uh, or Ari. I don't feel anything for them. The only you know validation I felt by the end was watching someone like Suri finally win. Yeah, agreed. And I feel like the only way that you can really play this game as a faithful is to be really good at 
telling when people are lying to you, which is not a skill that everybody has. And when you have somebody who's as good at lying as Sari, who's as practiced at lying, having four seasons of Survivor under her belt and pulling off some of the biggest moves we've ever seen in that game, it's kind of an unfair scenario because, uh, you know, like that that's what you have to go on is somebody looking you in the eye and telling, telling you that they're uh, faithful. And what's amazing is that here... Sari managed to do it, almost Wilf managed to do it in the UK. I mean, I was amazed at how far he was able to go with it because I felt I could see through it. But then again, I had all the information. And then you have this situation with Ari, which I feel like, and you had it with Kieran in the UK, that like when somebody is recruited late in the game, they have built up all this trust over the course of, you know, several days or whatever it is, a couple of weeks, that... They haven't had to lie. And so so it is established in the minds of the faithfuls that, oh, yeah, well, I believe that Ari is a faithful because, like, he comes off as a genuine guy. And then suddenly he's switching roles. It's not... It's not a reset for him. It's like he's already got a leg up because he's been able to be truthful that he is a faithful. And then now that the roles are reversed, it's not really, like, an issue that he has to convince anybody that he's a faithful because he already has convinced them. Totally. I think it's one of the unfair things about the game where it's like the second that the faithfuls finally get out a traitor, it's like all for naught because little do they know there's just another traitor coming. And it's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, the already the odds are already stacked so in favor of the traitors to begin with. And it's like, what? But yeah, to your point, that person is at a clear advantage. Even I amongst the traitors. Yeah. But there's, that's all the more reason if you were a traitor and you're... For, wait, let me ask you this. Did they have the choice to not bring in another traitor or they have to at least make an offer? In this case, they had to make an offer. In the UK, when it was first introduced, they said you can either murder or you can recruit uh, until it got to a point where I think they made them recruit. I just feel because like if you're... I, I think they don't want the traders dwindling down basically to like one. Um, I think they always want multiple traders. I think so. That's the part of this game that like yeah. makes so little sense to me. Where it's like the only thing you can really hope for is that the traders come to really like one another as people and feel that th- that multiple people are worthy of receiving some money. But if you ask. 99 out of 100 people, if you give them a sum of money and say, you can either take this money and split it with someone you just met 20 days ago, or take all of this money for yourself, 99% of people are going to take all the money. So it's Mm -hmm. strange that like this game is, that's the part I still am not quite, quite clear on, and I think will change in future versions of the show, which it's like, why would you want to work with other traders? Well, even for the faithfuls, I wonder this because it's like, yeah, you know, Quentin and Andy are standing there at the end and they're throwing their green flames into the fire. They are ready to call it quits with four people. They want to split $250,000 four ways. That's not a lot of money, especially after taxes get taken out of it. And so I wonder why or if... In the future, we will see faithfuls knowingly target other faithfuls at the end simply to get more of the pie at the end of the show. Well, that's like 
it would have been interesting had someone like Kate gone to the end, who people actually didn't like and who might have wanted to... Mm-hmm. People might have just been like, Kate doesn't deserve this. Also, too, it's like someone like Kate who has a job on a really popular reality television show that probably pays her very well. That's the other thing about this imbalance is it's mm-hmm. like some of these people... Suri and Stephanie are different, right? Like they were on a few seasons of a reality show, but someone like Kate or like a Brandy, it's like they are regularly employed. Well, Brandy off and on, but like they, they have steady <laughs> gigs at a network and I think that is yeah. really, really different when it comes down to who deserves the money. And nobody talks about this. Nobody talks. Right. Like I mean, like we're, we're kind of lucky in this case that we didn't have a survivor winner. We had big brother winners. And it's like they've won a lot of money in the past. And we haven't. This is our opportunity as regular normie faithfuls to get a piece of this reality TV pie in terms of the winnings You've already had that. And nobody was really having those discussions. It's not that they weren't having them. I don't know whether they were having them, but they weren't having them on TV. And I think that has to come into play. Imagine getting a Survivor winner on there who has won a million dollars. You know, it's a great person who would play the traitors, Sarah Lucina. And she has won a million dollars. And I am sure that that would come into the deliberations whether people believe she is a faithful or a traitor. So a fun concept might be to do an all-winner season of The Trader with various people that have won a variety mm. of reality shows. Mm-hmm. So that they're all winners. They all have money, but they've all played a different game. Winners at war. Hello. <laughs> I mean, Let's that just do be... redo winners at war. Well, we'd have to. But on the traders, the cast. Well, well, yeah, no, I know, of course, but yeah. I'm not doing. And, uh, trust, casting. trust, trust. When I say redo, yeah. I mean redo right. and bring in amanda kimmel yes but interestingly in in you know keeping on our conversation about these comparisons i think it's interesting looking at uh micronesia on survivor this which sort of has this same premise here right which is that like 10 people you know 10 new people i feel like micronesia was able to build new legends not Mm. quite at the level no but i mean i think Eric is like a memorable player on Survivor. Like he is not legendary, mm-hmm. but like he, we know Eric. Like he not did... because of his personality, though. It's because of what those women did to him. But that's still something. Like, I know. He's, he's I know. I'm, I'm not arguing that he's not a legend. I'm just saying, like, if we're talking about personality, the only one that came out of that as a star was Natalie, and even then, her personality wasn't brought out until the very end. Well, right. But at least in that instance, it's like it's clear by the end that there's something in Natalie that wasn't mm-hmm. like shown sure. on the show. Yeah. Whereas like, there's not a single one of these 10 people in my opinion. And I'm sorry if this, I'm sure people feel differently, but there's not any of these 10 people that I felt like I like was invested in any sense of them or want to potentially get more from them. These just were not remarkably interesting reality television competitors in my opinion. Well, and that's what makes me nervous about this idea that Peacock is doing a season two. We don't know whether that's going to be an all newbie cast or an all reality stars cast. I imagine they are looking at the chatter online about, you know, guessing who might be on the cast or dream casting like you did on Twitter. Like, I'm sure that they are keeping an eye on that. But I also could see their desire to do an all newbie season because 
those can work out too, but they're a bigger risk. You're, you're taking an unknown and you're putting them on TV and you're hoping for the best. And like that works out in a lot of cases, but also a lot of cases it doesn't. And I would say like looking at this cast, the half that they brought in as newbies, they just didn't work out. And I don't know, maybe it's because they were focused so heavily on the reality stars. Maybe it's because the reality stars knew what they were doing in terms of making good TV. Like, I don't know what the edit looks like of this show where they focus on the newbies. Maybe we would have cared more for them. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to do for season two, but I, if I were to speculate, I think that they will go for a full all-star cast because I think their pool will increase because you have to imagine before when they went out to this talent, they were like, hey, there's this, is it Swedish, the original version? Dutch? Dutch? Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. They're like, hey, we're doing this Dutch reality competition show. Do you want to be on the first season? You're going to live in a castle and murder people. I'm sure a lot of people would have been like, what the fuck? Whereas now, knowing how popular the show was, having this season to watch, being able to say we had Brandy, Glanville, Kate Chastain on the first season, I think that there will be more stars that will reach out. And I think they can even get higher level talent for the second go round. I think they could even expand sort of into that like um, Dancing with the Stars or Mass Singer level of talent where it's like, I think you could get like your Selma Blair level re- like stars that are still really, really popular but might not have, you know, the same amount of scripts and things coming their way that might be like, hey, I can take a couple weeks and, and you know, get my name back out there and blah, blah, blah. I, that to me is an interesting place for this show to go is, to sort of be half reality and half like, like real celebrity. Mm. Yeah, that could be interesting. I would love to see that. I don't know if they've got the cash for that. Surely they're paying those people appearance fees. Surely. I think that there's a lot of celebrities that would be like (laughs) able to negotiate a price that works. Like Mel B. Yeah. Like take the cast of... What is that show on Fox Special Forces that Mel B was on? Jamie Lynn Spears. You know, the no, show it's on right now. I've heard that it's actually quite good, but they basically put celebrities through boot camp, like an army boot camp. Um, I've heard that, I actually have heard that it's good. And it's got like a kind of a weird, it's got a Dancing with the Stars-esque cast. And uh, so there's, yeah, there's people that would do it, I'm sure. I've heard a rumor that Traders UK might be going to Peacock. I heard that rumor as well. Oh, interesting. It's going around. Okay, well, that must be happening. I'll be thrilled because, hey, then we could actually recap Traders UK. (laughs) That would be a delight. (laughs) Yeah, it would be lovely. Okay, well, let's get into some of the details here because we did lose Stephanie. And again, sad to see her go, but I don't think she was really given the opportunity to shine here. And it's just a bummer. Sometimes you get somebody like this where I, I understand it's the machinations of the game. This is just how it works. But for somebody to get murdered and for that somebody to be Stephanie, who like, yeah, she didn't necessarily have the best grasp on what was going on and who was a traitor and who wasn't a traitor. But I do feel she had a lot to give. And to get murdered is just like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like you just get murdered. And it's sad to see somebody like Stephanie to go under those circumstances. Because previously we just see like randos go uh, on the murders, which has been nice. (laughs) It's nice to get rid of those people in a quiet way. But when it's Stephanie, it's like, oh, I'm kind of bummed. And it was sad watching her cry in Mm -hmm. that moment because it was just, A, it was really genuine, but B, it 
convey the fact that like Stephanie is just at her core a competitor. And this mm-hmm. is not, I guess this maybe isn't the perfect show for someone like Stephanie because with Survivor, when your back is against the wall, there is some recourse. And I think a game like this, it's like, this doesn't, this is not the best format for someone like Stephanie. She's got too much fight in her for a game that's this sort of random. Yeah, agreed. And it's so funny when they reveal that Stephanie is the one who is murdered at breakfast because this is the breakfast that Kate walks into and says, who knew that sucking would actually be a winning strategy? And that really does sum up the game of the traitors, which, which like, I love the game, but it is true. Sucking is a winning strategy in this game. Like, the worse you are, the better off you're going to be. Totally. I mean, look at Quentin. And again, Christian in this whole episode is just shown continuing to overplay his hand and everybody's kind of on to him. It's no surprise that he's going to be the fir- the next traitor to go because people have been on to him for a while now and he just, he keeps doing dumb shit. He keeps doing dumb shit and this is when I started to get a little bit annoyed and this carried over into the 10th episode as well where like, the show thinks it has bigger cliffhangers than it does, mm-hmm. and it needs to like move through things more quickly and accept the intelligence of its audience a little bit more because the writing was on the wall for Christian for some time now, so they could have just portrayed this as like the inevitable is finally here. Instead, they tried to do like the will they, won't they, and I felt a little disrespected as an audience member because I was like, let's just get to it like Mm -hmm. we know it's happening and then also for them to act like it was like really tearing up Sari I thought that did a disservice to the times where Sari was genuinely torn up by things I don't think Sari gave a fuck about letting Christian go I do think Sari gave a fuck about having to reveal to Andy and Quentin the fact that she Mm -hmm. was a traitor but by making her because they did this whole same beat with her when Cody went home I think it lessened the impact of those moments because Sari was always torn up. Also, they loved having Sari be like the final moment of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. I think there they are like really three or that. four instances and when it's like, yeah. what is Sari going to do here? And it kind of tips you off to potentially what the end game might be. I appreciate that shows like The Traitors and The Mole have experimented with the format of reality TV in a post-streaming world. However, I think the experiments can come to an end because they don't work. I think, I mean, the the reality is we're not all binging. And even those of us who are, don't like, I'm speaking for myself. I like my episodes contained. I want to start a middle and an end. And they're giving us a start and a middle. Some have two ends because there's an end at the start and at the end. And it's just, I, I don't think that the choices really make sense. And I find myself stopping episodes midway through in both shows uh, i would i would find myself at the natural traditional natural end of an episode and just end it and come back to it when i was ready to watch the next episode and so i just feel like these these format shakeups aren't working or if you want to shake it up then shake up the actual format of the show i don't know like try something different in the way that you film the game but as we're opposed too to like new to be editing. trying new things like you need to establish the format before yeah. you can subvert it yes it's yes, like the whole yes. reason why like scream worked is because there's this clear blueprint of how horror films had worked up until that point for the most part but i feel like there's this thing now where it's like 
No one can, it's the same thing that happens with uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, where it's like, when the first All-Stars premiered, it was after four seasons of the regular one had aired, but then all of a sudden it did so well, and they were like, let's just keep launching these All-Star seasons, and it's like, wait a minute, you need to build legends on the main show, so that when you bring them back for an All-Stars, they're at the level of like, you have a huge playing field to choose from, and so you're choosing the best of the best. I mean, we are right now, we're in Drag Race season 15, while we are about to get All-Stars 8. And it's like, that is too much. Think about Survivor. We didn't get an All-Star season until season 8, which is fantastic because, and look at that stacked cast. I bring that up to say it's like, it's just important to establish the format for some time. And I think there's this desire and I get it it's like the pressure of society to be like well let's throw this at the wall and this at the wall and look at Jeff Probst and all the twists on on Modern Survivor there's something to be said about just doing things as they're meant to be done yeah could you imagine if we were on Survivor 44 and Survivor All-Stars 23 oh my god no can you imagine though I think we've talked about this before but like I think how exciting would it be if they did like Survivor season 45 back to basics, no idols, 16 contestants, like just really return to the simplicities of the original game. I got to say there's and I'm not I'm not spoiling Australian Survivor for you, but just this week on Australian Survivor because they're back in Samoa. And it just so happened. I don't think this was like a planned celebration or anything like that. But uh, they went to a challenge location and Jonathan said, this is the location of our first ever challenge on Survivor, like the actual beach and the and the water. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. And like, imagine if we went back to Borneo, Shaking. like how fun would that be? Incredible. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about Drag Race this season? Um, I'm feeling pretty good about it, to be honest with you. Really? I feel like uh, this is the first season in some time where there have been like multiple people I'm really rooting for. Mm. And I think that there's uh, really like interesting like dynamics, like particularly thinking about this dynamic between Malaysia and Isabel, which is like two queens going at it and poking fun at one another, but maybe one queen poking fun a little like going a little too far with Mm. the one and i love watching that play out where it's like we think we're going toe to toe but maybe we're not at an even playing field and maybe like you know i think malaysia said this she's like you know at the core no this is in the scenes for next week she says at the core of every read is some truth and i like that idea of like these two queens having like a shade off and then one of them sort of being like well maybe that was like a little too shady, but like that's drag. I just so I, I like that. I think it's fun. What are you? How are you feeling? You watched the most recent, right? <laughs> yeah, I watched. I watched the most recent, which was like episode six, I yeah. think. And it's the only episode I watched this season. And I'm not trying to like have a superiority complex about that or anything like that. But I just, I just haven't been watching it. And uh, I don't know. I was like, I, I get that I'm like commenting on this when there's been five episodes of establishing who these people are but i definitely had a moment where i thought we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here really in terms of the queens yeah oh i don't agree i'm happy to be wrong i'm basing it on one week of of and and granted like very short i i felt the 40 minutes this week i'll tell you that yeah um Uh, i'm not going off much yeah i guess i say that having like 
felt like the last couple of seasons were particularly bottom of the barrel scraping. Um, I feel like this has been a level up and even, I even feel like those middle tier queens are still delivering. So like, uh, for instance, Malaysia is a queen that's not going to go, I don't think Malaysia is long for this game, but I feel like she's giving a ton to the show at this juncture. Um, and I feel like that's sort of something Drag Race doesn't do so well at. Like there's always like the clearly the end girls, but then everyone else is just sort of like, a, who are we gonna pick off this week? This season to me, it's like, I feel like there are very clearly girls that need to go home early who have for the most part. Um, like I've been so happy to see everyone that's gone home so far go. Um, mm. And although I think Sasha Coley will win this season. I am really pulling for Mistress Isabel Brooks. You know what it is? It's not the. It's not that I don't think they're talented or that the looks aren't good. They're all like as good as I've seen. Well, it's the. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> it, it is the. It's the quotes that they're giving us are so tired and so many like sayings and turns of phrases have originated from drag race and i'm hearing them all again and it's like do we really have to like are we really doing this again where everybody's confessionals are yes mama that was a serve or like literally sipping literally sipping a cup of tea or like it's like i've seen this a thousand times and like i and i'm not seeing again one episode i could be wrong but I am not seeing anything new brought to the table. Even Sasha Colby is literally like, I've seen her and it was Carrie Colby. No, you, you're, this is too, we can't have this conversation. Okay. It's no, I'm, only because it's like, we, we're coming at, it's like, you've watched one. I've I know, I don't have the, only, I don't have all the information. I understand. Yeah. That's just how I felt after one episode. I'll tell you, but this is, this is the thing. The one episode I watched didn't make me want to watch more. I okay. think that's sad. Okay. I think this was like a high point for the, for the season. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, is Rue really, like, does Rue really find it that funny when a drag queen is on stage and, like, you know, punches her boobs? Like, no, it, but the it's purpose just, of... I've, I've seen it a thousand times. Right, but you're watching it I think that you need to switch the lens here to say that it's like they cut to Rue laughing to indicate for the audience at home that Rue liked that Rue this, likes therefore it. that person yeah. did good. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just like, it's, I find it exhausting to suspend my disbelief for this long. Yes, but then it's like, Sean, I think about the people that would be like, you guys have watched 44 <laughs> seasons of Survivor. It's like, that's just, it's the same shit. It's like, we watch yeah. the same things over and over again. We've watched hundreds of tribal councils, if not thousands. What are we, are we up to thousands? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But the point being, it's sort of like, I hear what you're saying, but like, we subject ourselves to the same shit. Okay, sips tea. True. Okay, back to the traders. Well, this mission that they're playing is the Mission Impossible mission where they have to maneuver around lasers. I really like this mission. I don't have anything to say about it, except that Andy was surprisingly good at it. And I felt like Kate was kind of into it and like cheering Andy on. Um, I, the only thing I have to say about this is that this is one of the few missions that they play that I would really like to play. It looks fun. This and the sheep herding mission. Ugh. Rest in peace. <laughs> 
And ahead of the round table, you had Christian, again, playing really hard, throwing Suri's name out even, and you do get this shot of Ari and Suri having a chat. I feel like there's a few things that t- tip off the audience that Suri is going to do really well here, and it's that she kind of does the same thing with Christian that she does with Ari, which is just this like quick chat that reinforces their commitment to one another, and Suri kind of says like, yes, it's us to the end. It's us to the end. And meanwhile, she has said that to Cody. She has said that to Christian and she continually cuts them. So there was like a little question in my mind whether, okay, well, Sari's really going to split this pot with Ari, eh? Um, and so I am happy that in the end, she kind of like continued the tradition of cutting those people because so often she has been cut in this position, not not by other people necessarily, sometimes by twists, but like we're so used to seeing Sari be the one to n- get knocked out right before the money gets handed out. And so it was nice to see that finally reversed. But I didn't like the way it was presented where they had Sari and the talking head be like, I've I've come so close in the end yeah. and like made mistakes. And it's like, yeah. you didn't make mistakes, babe. Like mistakes, like there were circumstances because there are two instances, obviously the most obvious being what happened with Game Changers, but also thinking about the fact that Micronesia suddenly went to a top two instead of a top three, where Mm -hmm. it's like, Suri's been done dirty. I didn't like the fact that they like sort of framed it in a way that's like, if only she could be better. And it's like, that's not Suri's narrative. In fact, she said, I I always start to play too emotionally towards Yeah, and it's like, what? What? That's literally never happened. And... You also look at Panama. I think Panama's all often forgotten. Suri got knocked out in a fire-making challenge because it was a tie at, I think, Final Four. And so it's like there's always been mm-hmm. something. And it's never Suri playing too emotionally. Right. And so, yes, at the round table, of course, Christian goes. We do have some interesting stuff. Suri points the finger at Kate. But I think Kate's got a kind of a good argument here. And I guess this is like a little bit of her fighting for herself that she's like, you know, you've been talking about me for a long time. And I feel like I feel like people can't really believe Kate's a traitor at this point. I feel like her, so many of her reactions are so genuine, especially at the round table, that it's like, yeah, you might not like her, but I don't think anybody's really believing that she's a traitor, except Quentin, I guess. But, but I that she like says that here, like, don't gamble on me today. There's another banishment tomorrow. You can banish me tomorrow, but can we please, like, see if Christian's a traitor? Mm-hmm. And, of course, he is, and he goes home. Alan tells them there will be no murder tonight because it is the penultimate night. Did you have any feelings about the reaction here? Well, I just feel like if I were the if I were the talent of this game, and I, I you know at this point I'm probably thinking about you know am I going to get the prize and starting to think about seeing my friends and family back at home. I don't think I would have a great reaction to that. I think I would want to be like let's murder and get things going. I think on the UK version, they genuinely liked each other so much and were so, there was so much uh, upheaval about having to murder one another because of their genuine regard for one another that when they got that news, I think it was like a relief that they were going to have one more night, the five of them all together. Whereas this is, this show is a little bit more business minded, I feel like, a little bit more diplomatic. So I just didn't think it was like doing them any favor to be like, hey, someone's going to die, but instead of tonight, tomorrow, where it's like kind of like, okay. Which also, I think it's here that I would point out the fact that although I love Alan on this show, I do feel like 
I fell in love with Claudia more and more as the Traders mm-hmm. UK went along. I don't feel like Alan ever really connected to the players in this game in the way that I think was so crucial to the success of UK and Claudia as a host. I feel like because Alan was somewhere between like playing a character that it's not even between, it's almost like, yeah, Alan was like, I'm gonna play this character. And I think what Claudia does is kind of create a persona that's a little bit more who she is, but like with a twist. Whereas Alan, I feel like wasn't, Alan was fully playing a role. I think that was like to the detriment in the sense that like, I feel like Alan delivered the same flavor every episode mm-hmm. and it didn't really go anywhere. It's a flavor that I liked. So this isn't like a, I would be happy for Alan to come back. But I think that my like, regard for Claudia and why I think people like go ham for Claudia. I can understand why people might not feel strongly about Alan. Yeah, totally agree. I think that Alan being so committed to this character is a detriment to the show. Not like a huge detriment, like he's just the host and he is a pretty standoffish host, but that camaraderie that the UK cast had with Claudia was really special and you could sense it through your TV screen and it made you feel like you were part of this like TV family and you just don't get that sense. I mean, just the fact that when they were leaving the laser uh, maze tag, whatever that was, the Mission Impossible mission, uh, that Kate said, what's with that guy, Alan? And I mean, I know she was making a joke, but it's like, there is no relationship here between Alan and the contestants, where I genuinely got the sense that like, I mean, not only was Claudia helping and rooting for the players as they were going through their missions, but you really got a sense that that when the cameras weren't rolling, that they were chit-chatting and like getting to know each other. Right. I thought it was also interesting here that despite the fact that there's no murder and nothing to be done, they did have Sari and Ari meet in the turret because once again, Sari makes a pretty good subtle move here. And it's that she tells Ari that, uh, hey, whatever happens moving forward, whatever you might hear me say to other people or anything that I might say at the round table, just know I've always got your back. You know, I sometimes have to say things to people to uh, direct them in a certain way. And even though it may come off a certain way, just never worry because I've always got your back. And he seemed to buy that like pretty well. And that's a great out for Sari. I think just one another testament to how good Sari is at playing people. And on the final day, they do the the old mission with the helicopter ride. And they're jumping out of helicopters. They're riding in speedboats to get the money. Uh, we've seen this in the UK. I mean, it's like fun. It's as epic as <laughs> it's as epic as the traders is going to get. But what's crazy here is that they have the opportunity to win the entire prize fund. Which I feel like is very like classic this show where it's like, we've got rules, but it doesn't really matter. And also they're like, non-reaction to that news that's like huge (laughs) news and they were kind of like oh that's great and it was like huh and even like kate jumping out of the thing it's like you're thinking kate's gonna find out that she's gonna have to jump out of a helicopter and she's gonna freak out about it but kate's just kind of like okay i feel like there was just so many moments where it's like you wanted something more from this last episode i don't know i feel like the uk final challenge felt so epic in nature 
And this one was not able to find that. And also this this one was different than the UK. What do you mean it's different? Remember when they had to, when they got to that house at the end, like that giant outdoor asylum thing? No. <laughs> the the where the, the where they landed at the very end of the challenge in the UK. Oh, I don't remember. Well, what happened there? That's like when Meryl had to stay in the boat, remember? Because she had to run up and she like, remember? Am I, maybe like, I'm I remember crazy. Meryl staying in a boat, but I don't remember the house. I oh, do like, I, I recognize that like the, the, the landing locations for the boat and stuff are different. And I think that the uh, Ari and Kate decoding a box might have been different, maybe. Mm-hmm. I need to rewatch the UK, honestly. Uh, but... I don't remember the details of how that played out. I just remember Meryl on the boat screaming at Claudia with the walkie-talkie. Well, maybe we're watching the re on Peacock. I guess so. I don't know. I felt like it was just really unepic. The stakes were like, oh, here's all the money back. And I think that it was just so obvious that they were going to win, right? Like, I feel like one thing this show has not been able to set up successfully is any sense of loss because mm-hmm. even when teams are playing one another, it doesn't matter who loses. Everything is so arbitrary. And it goes back to what we talked about in one of our previous recaps where it's like, there's the serious nature with which the show wants to present itself. But then in this sense, it doesn't acknowledge the fact that like, yeah, you're gonna win money at the end, no matter what. These challenges are more just to like have fun, go crazy, develop relationships, blah, blah, blah. But in that same sense, it's like, I think one critically missing element of this show, comparing it to The Mole, is that like the traders too want, to, like there's no element of sabotaging the missions, which I think could help the show. Because then there would be that sense that like, oh, I could at least pin like I have a justification for being like, I want to send uh, Kate home because she was throwing the things today in the challenge and it would make sense that she wouldn't want to win money. But right now you're like, well, Kate's throwing those things out, but that's hurting her either way. It's not giving me any indication as to her status as a, and yeah. And then, so even then it was like, we had that final, there's only two minutes left. And it's like, there's no world in this show in which that countdown clock goes out. And it's just like, well, you guys lost. Well, they did. They did once. The Buried Alive challenge. But that was just with one contestant. You're right. You're right. You're right. We've never gotten to like, you I'm just guys saying failed that's the, the I, Like that is my only thing is where I totally agree. I don't believe the clock on this show whatsoever. But that's the only thing that I can point to that I'm like, wait, then why did they do that that time that mm-hmm. they had Stephanie not get out of her coffin in time? Because the, the lid was even open, but they were like, sorry, you're not out over but i don't know I, I will say i was really annoyed during this final challenge that they could win the total t- par- prize pot because as a viewer it's like then why did i watch all these other challenges right what was the point what was the point of all the other challenges if it all comes down to this and it should have been like we are giving you the opportunity to win back the entire prize pot if you risk this it almost needed to be like uh there's a version of the challenge but it's a lot harder so you're risking, so there's mm. bigger, bigger risk. It just was sort of like, hey, you're or playing you, this challenge. Or you take a gamble, or you take a gamble. It's like right. you could, the, the prize pot could go down by half, or right. you could win it all. Yeah. Or before we do this challenge, you banish somebody. I like that. Yeah. Okay. We'll workshop that for season two. One thing about this challenge is that I think that there might be a kernel in here as to why the end game plays out the way it does. I could be wrong, but like obviously Sari has a relationship with Andy and Quentin. That becomes apparent. I mean, I think that we saw Sari's relationship with Andy develop over the course of several episodes. 
the relationship with Quentin's a little bit of a surprise to me, but it does sort of get pointed at towards the end game. But I do think there's something here to Kate, who is public enemy number one, to bring that up again, and Ari, who is the other traitor, being separated in this challenge from Sari and apparently her two closest allies, Andy and Quentin, in a game where probably you're not separated a whole lot. Like they are separated sometimes in cars, but that's sort of like random. Here you had a boat with Andy, Quentin, Sari. I feel like this is a great opportunity for Sari to be like, hey, so there's a banishment coming up. What are you thinking? How do we want to play this? Uh, I I wonder whether Sari planted any seeds during this challenge that they were together for like probably an hour or so alone, separated from those other two, that they might have talked about what they were going to do and that Sari might have planted seeds about Ari being maybe untrustworthy. Um, I don't know. That's a question I would love to ask Sari one day. Mm. Or have Andy ask Sari. I don't have faith in that. <laughs> How do you feel about Andy hosting the reunion? Oh, Andy Cohen. I thought you meant yeah. Andy the contestant. Oh, no, not Andy from the traders. <laughs> um, I feel favorably about it because I know he's very skilled at the okay. art form of hosting a reunion. And also I feel like Andy's really um, good at dealing with lots of like varying personalities. I think the disadvantage here is that he doesn't have the context of knowing them. I did talk to him uh, and gave him the 411 on Suri just because I wanted him to have, I wanted him to, I, w- I gave him a housewife comparison just so he understood like that this is a really important uh, player. But uh, I'm not sure what we really need to hash out at a reunion for a show like this. No, agreed. I'm really surprised it's happening. Me too. It tells me the numbers on this show must be really good. Um, that, and I think a reunion is very cheap, uh, to produce most likely, you know, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But I feel like I want a Traders UK reunion. They're not giving us that. I would love a Traders UK reunion. I would actually pay-per-view that. Well, I feel like there's so I would do like, you know, sometimes like they do like a play and they stream it into movie theaters live. Mm -hmm. I would do that for a Traders UK reunion. (laughs) Uh, so at the round table, the final round table, Kate is finally banished and revealed as a faithful. And I don't know what is going through people's mind at this point, because like, it seems to me that Andy and Quentin are kind of like, oh, well then we must all be faithfuls, which doesn't make sense. Like, what happens in the game if by the previous round... So in Andy and Quentin's mind right now, literally by the previous round, Christian was the final traitor. And that the show is making them go through another banishment. I mean, I maybe they think that's why there was no murder. But I think this is a big issue where I just don't think... Like, there's a lack of perceptiveness with Quentin and Andy and a lack of questioning things in general... Because not to jump ahead, but I had this same thought where when Ari announced he was quitting, Suri does not go over and give him a hug. Suri has no reaction to that. Meanwhile, Andy and Quentin are crying. And in that moment, if I were Andy and Quentin, I'd be like, why would Suri feel be this? You know, they're really close. Isn't that weird that Suri is acting this way? It must mean 
So again, I just think they were deeply unable to sort of, at the very least, go in the confessional and say, it It, it occurred to me that this could be the case, but then I thought, no, there's no way. Yeah. But it just, we don't even get that. Yeah, totally. It doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah, Kate goes, Kate goes immediately we're outside of the fire and we're doing the, do you, how do you like this? Because I don't think we've really ever hashed this out about the UK. Like, how do you like this final format where the host basically says, you're in charge of the game now. You can have as many banishments as you want. And all it takes is for one person to want to banish again, and you all have to banish again. Like, do you like how this plays out? Not I, not necessarily in this season, but just as a, in the game. I guess I I would need to see more, like, like game it out a bit more to better mm. understand it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, in this version, first of all, this is a bad example because we have Ari quit, so we don't even know. But like, so had Ari not quit, had they had Sari done the red fire and they have to banish someone, I'm assuming that Ari would have been banished anyway. That's my understanding. I but then heard, does yeah. does Ari go after Sari in that moment and then Totally and then does and that send a red you... flag to them as far as like, wait, I thought you two were really close. Yes. And what can you say? And this is like there's That's a, a very huge gray question. area because you when you're chosen as a traitor and you have to take the traitor's oath, which not much is made. It seems like a very, like, just a TV thing to do. But when I saw it in the UK, I was like, okay, this is very serious. They say, I will not reveal that I am a traitor, and I will not reveal the identity of any of my fellow traitors. If you look at the UK, I think Kieran kind of breaks that rule at the round table when he insinuates that Wilf is a traitor, which raises the flags for other people, which then... Have them accusing Wilf, which then leads Wilf to give Hannah the ultimatum of either we're going to be friends or you're going to accuse me of being a traitor. And that tips her off that he is a traitor. Like that all comes from Kieran's veiled comment that Wilf might be a traitor. That seems to me to break the traitor's oath. And what recourse is there if you break the traitor's oath? Right, but at the same time, it's like, had he not done that, we would not have had this exactly. finale. So it's like, you exactly. don't want to discourage it. Exactly. And then you have Ari at the final fire, which like, I just feel like you shouldn't be allowed to quit at this point. No. Like, Especially, really it was just shouldn't. so unceremonious. It's like, then all of a sudden he quits, and then he just like sort of walks off. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah. so strange. So it's like he's in the process of him quitting, he reveals he's a traitor. So there's like a little loophole there. I don't want to be in the game anymore. I'm revealing I'm a traitor. You're not supposed to reveal you're a traitor. If he had stayed, what does he do? I I feel like I would have liked to have just seen him stay. He knows he's going. My understanding from what I've heard, I haven't actually followed the exit press, but I've heard that in exit press, Sari has said that she was planting seeds for some time with Quentin and Andy, that she felt that Ari could possibly be a traitor. And so I assume that because that bond with between Sari, Andy, and Quentin seemed really tight, that they would have followed her lead in voting off Ari, either because he's already successful and he might be a traitor or because they believe he is a traitor, whatever combination of factors might have led to that. I, I just feel like that sh- it should have been allowed to play out the way it was going to play out. 
But what does that mean that Suri plants it in their ear that he might be the traitor? Doesn't everyone do that at every point in the game? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I know. That's a passing comment. She could say that about anyone. Anyone could say that. Anyone could say that about anyone to anyone at any point in the game. Like, what is she? Well, it should have been in the show. If, if it's true, it should have been in the show. So we but could also, know what, what she had like, said. what, what, what is her reasoning there? It's this, like, all, like, what, she would have no leverage. She would just be like, I have the same oh. hunch that you have, only my hunch is for Ari, whereas your hunch might be for someone else. It's all hunches. Yeah. It's not like she'd be able to say, I witnessed him doing this, or I have this note or something. It would just be like, I think it's him. And then because they trust her, they would believe her. Yeah. But that's not like some big admission. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I don't I know. I sound fired up. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, just from a viewer viewing perspective, I was truly gagged when Ceres fire went red. I saw I how really much time was. was left in the episode. Well, I wasn't looking at the clock. Well, I was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess, but like, Sean, were you gagged? I was gagged. I was fully gagged. Okay, it's just like, in my mind, it's like, it makes sense why she'd do that. Of course it makes sense. I just didn't think that she was going to do it. And I felt like, I felt like I saw a genuine relationship between at least her and Andy. And I already knew it was going to be hard for Sari to take the money from Andy specifically. And I was just... I, in my mind, it would have been easier for Sari to take the money and it be two of them taking the money away from two of them. But that's a lot of pressure for one person to like betray two other people who, I don't know, need the money, whatever she feels that what their position is. Um, I, it just, it's like, it's ruthless. I just feel like it's really, really ruthless. I, I was, ha- I'm happy that Suri won. I wanted her to win. I think it's the best case scenario, but I, I didn't see it coming that she was going to betray Ari in this moment. Fair enough. The other thing, that, I'm glad like, that she did. Yeah, of course. The other thing I feel like we have to like acknowledge at some point is that like two hundred fifty thousand dollars after taxes. It's not going to change your life because she's talking about the fact like her. She said something about her mom, right? That she would like be taking care of her mom and everything. So 250 after taxes, I think you're netting out at about between 150 and 175. And I just don't think that's a light. I think like, can we get to a point where we can acknowledge the fact that these prizes on these shows no longer change lives in the way that season one of Survivor, where we were at in terms of, you know, the, uh, the like a million dollars in 2000 could change a life. I think $250,000 before taxes in 2023, I don't think is a life changing amount of money for anyone. I think I mean, it's, it's going to like, like, but, but uh, just to play devil's advocate here, I, I don't think it's a life changing amount of money, but uh, it's more money than anybody won on the UK. We've had Absolutely. That and it can certainly but change like it, a it year can, or two. It can help. And, and for, and for playing a game for two weeks, it's Absolutely. not bad. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think Suri's going home and quitting her job or anything. Exactly. But like if her mom, I don't know, needs like living expenses, like that, great. She's set for a while. Now, do you think this show changes Suri? Do you think Suri starts to get a little bit more active on social media? Do you think Suri tries to build out her 
you know, her, her, yeah. Like, do you think Sari can do something with this? Well, it's interesting timing because in, since Sari filmed this and obviously knew that she was wanting, she started a YouTube show, like on the couch with Sari or something like that, which is a play on her getting off the couch for a survivor. And I think she has chit chats with like reality TV people. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's good, but like that's something she started in between finishing this show and uh, and now. And I mean, she's been pretty active on social media anyway. Is she the best on social media? Not necessarily. I think she could use some pointers, um, like how she. <laughs> she'll she'll live react to survivor episodes by filming herself like at a bar just talking and i love to hear what she has to say but then she posts them all on main in separate posts um so you'll get like 20 posts from a night so like i, I think there's some like workshopping she could do in terms of like how she's presenting herself out there i think this has probably introduced Sari to a lot of people but i don't know how much it has encouraged people to go seek out Ceri's other iconic television appearances. Because I think if we look at all of her appearances across Survivor, Snake in the Grass, this, I'm sure she's done other things, um, that I would say this is above Snake in the Grass, maybe above her, above her appearance on Heroes vs. Villains, but below the other three appearances on Survivor. Concur. I would say if anything is going to really come from this, it would be that her cameos, I think, would go up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a little disappointed because I have friends who watched The Traders who are not Survivor fans, and I think they were happy with the outcome, but they had no follow-up questions about Sari. And I was like, I don't think you understand how iconic this woman is, and I don't think you're appreciating it. And, like, I, I don't blame them or Suri for that I f- blame the traitors a little bit I and I don't know what they could have done well I don't know what they could have done but I understand what your, where your friends are coming from in the sense that like there was no adversity to her game ever mm. at any point and the thing about Suri that like again Suri like became famous off of the idea of adversity she literally was the person that no one expected would do well on Survivor she, a chief among them herself and then she surprised everyone, including herself, by how much she excelled at the game. And so I think for her to come on this show and just do really well the entire time, there's not much of a narrative crafted there, which is all the more reason why I think something like a reunion is sort of unnecessary on this show, because there really are no loose ends. There really were no big blindsides. Even when Christian got out, he like, or even when Ari got out, he was like, I understand why she did it. And if he didn't, it wouldn't, it's like, of course he understands. She made a, the, the obvious smart move. Not everyone would have made that move, but like in the binary of it all, I think more people would have eliminated Ari than kept him. Yeah. Can you hold so for So I just one think that at the I end have, of the day. Can you, can you hold for one second, Evan? I need to take this call. Yeah. Sorry. So quick. Hello? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> no, no, no. That was Peacock, and they were calling to cast Sean on season two of The Traders. We weren't going to say anything, but he said he'd be there. I I'm heard you. I'm not putting this in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So it stupid. was Leslie Moonves. <laughs> he was like, Sean, Sean we want Moonves. you. 
Where were we? Sorry, I cut you off while you were talking. No, I was just saying that, like, I just think I can understand why someone would come away from the season not feeling like they need more from Suri. Um, I think that's an, I would understand that reaction because it was just a very simple arc. It was like, person plays game well, wins. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And the thing is, like, the, the, the unfortunate thing about that is, like, Sari played the game so well, she didn't have this adversity because, and no maybe one else she was, was playing, playing at her like level, dummies. But yeah, um, but even when she has been playing with people at her level, she still manages. You know, it's not that she can't face that. It's not that she can't go toe to toe with people as good as her. She can. She can succeed, um, and that's what's disappointing. Is that like, it would be nice to see her play. Maybe she'll play in the all winner season of the Traders. We just got to make sure that we get that out the door before Survivor Legends. Does it have to be? Well, I mean, Survivor Legends is what, three years away? Yeah, no, I'm saying all all traders winners season. No, of the I know. And I'm saying I'd want that season before Survivor Legends. Why is that? I don't know. I just, that's just what I want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't question me. <laughs> I think that we need the reunion only because the loose end that I'm curious about is I want to hear from Andy about Ceri's decision at the end or about Ceri's win. It's not a decision, but like about Ceri's win, because I feel like that was the last thing that wasn't really explored. The show just kind of ends. And I do want to hear from Andy uh, because I think they felt really betrayed by Sari and it was like a, a like a classic reality TV betrayal um, although Andy wasn't necessarily the most well-developed character um, I wasn't so invested in their loss but I did feel like that genuine sort of like vulnerable emotion coming out in the end there that that they couldn't believe that Sari did this to them right no I agree that's I think the one area we'd be like okay what what's what's the What's the deal here? I also think it'd be interesting to find out like who amongst this cast is most likely to hang out outside the show or any like true friendships born from the show. Because you get the sense with UK that like this is like a lifelong bond that this cast is going to now share. Like you, it just feels like they are the season one cast of the Traders UK, like make some noise. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure who amongst this cast is like going to keep in touch. Yeah, totally. And I'm still seeing on social media, like, they're all the Traders UK class are hanging out constantly. Good, as they should. Like, also, for instance, it's like, we never, like, were Andy and Quentin close? Like, that was another, like, relationship that, there was just so many underdeveloped yeah. relationships. And, like, where, like, yeah, I, I, there were so many people I was sort of like, I don't know what what the deal is with these two people, if they even talk game. Like, is Kate hanging out with Andy? Right. I would love because to we know. did get. I think it was episode nine when Andy walked into the breakfast and they were like, uh, "Kate, I'm even going to give you a hug." And Kate was like, "No, I want a hug." But then it's like yeah. the implication of Andy saying that is that they don't think that like they're recognizing the fact that they and Kate are not close. Yeah, yeah, and that in the roundtable where Rachel got banished, she says to Andy. You know, like on our future friendship, I swear that I'm a faithful or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, well, what future friendship? Right. Does it exist? I'm curious. Like, I want to know who of the reality stars is talking to the newbies. So also to that end, because you bring up Rachel, 
I, I, and also we know that Brandy Glanville is not going to be at the reunion, which is interesting. One, because oh, we do. Yeah. Well, it's rumored. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I heard a rumor that Brandy's not going to be at the reunion, which is interesting because she is one of only a handful of these casts that actually Andy knows and also mm. knows the function of a reunion very well. Also, Brandy mm. really excels at a reunion. So I do feel like there's going to be an incentive on Rachel and Kate to revisit this feud and potentially like keep it going. And so I, and I obviously know Kate's done a reunion before and Kate knows Andy and Kate knows the function. I'm curious to see if Rachel can recognize the importance of this moment Mm. and if she can capitalize on it. I mean, Rachel is also kind of a pro. Maybe not I in don't reunions, agree. but in like reality TV and yeah, I mean, and but, stuff. but we're talking reunions, which is a very different skill set. I think it's a different genre. Yeah, it's very different genre. Okay, it's I'm, like, not a, I'm not. You that can do apocalyptic thriller, but genre. Like, are they actually like iconic? Like, I know I see clips from Housewife reunions, but like, do they matter? They do, especially. I mean, not always now because the space has become so overwrought. But the great thing about a reunion is when there's unsolved business from the season, or when real life storylines have advanced in the time between filming and the reunion. Because the one great thing about a reunion is that they're often just filmed a few weeks before they air, whereas the shows themselves are filmed months ago. So you can really get real time updates about things. And the other thing too is that the cast is able to see all of the confessionals in which other people are talking about them. So oftentimes the way someone appeared in the scene versus how they were speaking about them in the talking heads is very different. And so you get a lot of those confrontations. So Mm. the problem with the reunion now is that it's so built into the DNA of the shows that people specifically withhold things for the Mm. reunion or like there's just, it's fucked up the alchemy in a way because of, the lore of the reunion, but like, yes, they have delivered some of the most iconic moments in Housewives history, period. The problem, if I may, is that I believe it was, Atlanta was the first show to go into a four-part reunion. This was several years ago. And then Potomac did a four-part reunion last year, two seasons ago. And like, You mean like over the course of like four weeks? Four episodes. How do you mean four parts? Four episodes. Four episodes. Yeah. That's long. It is. And so the point is, it's like, I feel like a lot of these reunions now are meant to be one or two episodes and get expanded because, again, what we were saying about the the Traders reunion, it's probably cheap to record these. Everyone's just sitting, one outfit, one set, keep the cameras rolling. You get a ton of footage. Why not milk it? And I think some of the shows are better at milking it than others because... Not to get too housewivesy about this, but like you have a cast like New York season seven, for instance, and it's like anything they say is going to be entertaining because they're a cast of all stars. But it's the same thing with like imagine you and I, if we were to like sit, like, what's our favorite survivor cast? Like, if we were to get an iconic cast together, you're kind of just like, you know, that they're going to deliver based on the fact that there are so many people that you like and are interested in in the current the day Pearl housewives. Islands. Perfection. Great. It's like, yeah. but because you have so many flop housewives currently on these shows, and especially many of them who like play the game of housewives more than they do play the game of life, it fucks with with the, with the with the reunions. Right, I got you. Okay, 
Well, I'm looking forward to this. I, I know that they're not going to do this, but could you imagine if they did it at the castle? Oh, wow. Like, that would be iconic. Have them drive up in the Jeeps, <laughs> like, get out. I would love that. Yeah, I do feel I like think they, that's too costly. Perhaps. I do feel like I, I missed out on a lot of, like, the... Because Alan announced the challenges at breakfast, whereas Claudia announced the challenges outside by the cars. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there was, like, better world building in the UK. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> We're talking like the difference between like the most minor of differences. Yeah, but like. Um, but you're right. If you're, you're tuning you're, in you are our, right. If you're tuning into, we're an hour and 10 minutes into our episode nine and 10 recaps <laughs> of the traders on our survivor themed podcast. If you're not invested in the nuances, you're listening to the wrong show. Yeah. Well, a great example is like in the, in one of these episodes, uh, Ari and, I must have been episode nine, Ari and like Christian and Quentin are sitting around there eating their dinner uh, in like one of the sitting rooms, just like on their chairs or whatever, instead of in the dining room. And it made me think back to that dinner scene, that iconic dinner scene in the UK when Andrea asks everyone to be her friend. And, uh, and then when they have to decide, and then when they have to point out, like say who they trust the most or whatever. Like they didn't do that in this one. No. And that's what ended up costing Amanda the game. Yes. Cost Amanda the game. Maddie had a a life changing amount of money, 3000 pounds up for grabs. She didn't take it. (laughs) And I wonder if that's more or less than you get paid for playing a homeless woman in EastEnders. Could go either way. It's probably about equal. EastEnders. I think it's on like five days a week. Genuinely don't know. But, okay, anything else we need to say about the Traders US before we wrap this up and never talk about it again? Yeah, so I would say overall, I would give the Traders US a B minus. Okay. What would you give it letter grade wise? Yeah. I mean, I'm being a little generous. Aligned. It might be a C plus. I, I, I'll, I'll say I, I enjoyed watching it. I did too. It's There's a plenty good show. to like. Yes. Yeah. And it definitely I believe it was feels you like... who said on Twitter that Traders US is a good show. Traders UK is a great show. I did say that. That is correct. You said um, that in a response, too. When I, I saw it. <laughs> um, I do believe, though, that like this has the bones of an even better show. And that's mm-hmm. what excites me is because, like, very... I mean, if you go back and watch America's Next Top Model season one, you'd be like, what is this? Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race season one. Great example. They What were they even doing? They had no idea. And so I think that these shows are able to process feedback, some better than others. But I think, like, this show is set up for better success in its future. And I would say there are more things that work about the show than don't work about the show. But more than anything, it's clearly developed an audience. And I feel like that is Mm -hmm. more than a lot of shows can say. I mean, think about Mm -hmm. The Challenge USA or The Mole. Like these were shows that I didn't feel like anyone was talking about. I was not like able to sort of discourse about them in the way that like, I was in a random elevator after Watch What Happens Live talking to a friend about the Traders USA and someone overheard us and we're like, oh, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, it's this show called The Traders. And then the the elevator erupted with people being like, oh my God, I love The Traders. And it's like, that's what this show has going for it right now. 
Yeah. It's got a really simple concept that grabs people's attention. I think people can imagine themselves playing this. I think that's what brought a lot of people to Survivor in the beginning was the imagination of like, this really sparks the imagination. There's like an adventurous element to it. It's fun. And I think that that brings people in really easily. Um, I think like the reality stars I don't even know if they needed them. Surely it brought more more eyes to the show, but I don't even know if it needed them. Case in point, UK and the success that that show had. Uh, but like, I saw people talking about the mole online, but it was the same people that talk about Survivor, so that was not a surprise. I have seen such an array of random people talking about the traitors that I, I've really been surprised and delighted. So I do have high hopes for the future of this show. Same. It's okay. fun, too, to, like, be interested in a show like this and seeing people that aren't your usual crop of people that watch a show like this getting into it. Because, again, before before I was in the Survivor-verse, reality competition was not for me, or so I thought. I've never... I mean, I watched early seasons of Top Model and early seasons of Project Runway, and I obviously watched, like, Drag Race, but, like, I would have never thought something like Survivor would be for me, and then Survivor ended up being my gateway, but like, I imagine that the Traders is going to perhaps bring in new people to Survivor that are like, I like this more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they're listening to Drop Your Buffs. Hey, if anything really wild happens at the reunion, like, maybe we'll talk about it. Probably not, but, we, you know, we might post about it on social media. So stay tuned. You can follow us at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram to keep up with all of that and with what we're doing in the survivor verse we will be covering survivor 44 as of i think that airs march 1st which is like right around the corner jesus i'm gonna have to get my merch uh, all of the contestants are selling merch this year so uh, if you want to look like a loser you can buy their merch if you want to look cool you can buy our merch at dropyourbuffspod.com are we going to leave a yeah let's do a final traders post on instagram and what should people comment on it evan Azra for Trader Se- hashtag Azra for Trader Season 2. Well, that's long. Well, that's how I feel. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Okay. Hashtag Azra, f- Azra for President? <laughs> Azra okay, for wait, Season Okay, wait. Okay, wait. Okay, okay, okay. I'll take it. Azra for President. Okay. Hashtag Azra for President. She is Canadian, <laughs> so I don't know that she qualifies, but you know what? If Survivor can change the rules to like. Canadians play absolutely surely the U.S. government can get their shit together have you seen what she can do with her legs (laughs) if she can do that with her legs imagine what she could do to a Chinese spy balloon (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) okay did you see Jill Biden presenting at the Grammys I did now imagine if Azra presented at the Grammys It'd be better and more articulate than Jill Biden. You'd be getting a better reaction from Taylor Swift. I'll tell you that much. Mm. Jill Biden is such a flop. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, tune into our next episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 